Hi, my name is Lynn Worrell. I'm the founder of a community organization called Word, writing our rhymes down, and I am a youth worker at the Calful Jeunesse Emploi of NDG. Hi, my name is Carl Thomas. I'm a community worker for Prevention Codenege NDG, and welcome to The Dep. The Dep, a podcast about community service work in your neighborhood. It's, it's, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Okay. All right, so the recording is starting. Yes. So, Yushana Houston, welcome yes. to the Dep Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure um, to be here. <laughs> so, uh, this is going to be nice. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Yushana Houston. Uh, some people in the community may know me as Makiba. That's what my family calls me. I've, you know, born and raised Montrealer, Caribbean parent, been working in community for the last probably uh, 12, 15 years, mm-hmm. started frontline working with families in Little Burgundy, children and families in Little Burgundy, did that for about seven years. Then I said I wanted to try to have a leadership role. So I was the executive director of a nonprofit in NDG that worked with um, young parents, teen parents and young adult parents and their kids. And then I did that for about four years. And now I am the uh, Director of Strategy and Communications at ACDPN, and we're a nonprofit that works on increasing access to health and social services for the English-speaking Black community. Mm-hmm. So we work with vulnerable families. We, have, we do zero to 99. We work with seniors, and it's really to make sure that the English-speaking Black community can get connected to the services that they need. And there's always often a barrier with culture and language. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I can say why I love this work, but maybe that comes a little bit later. Well, I, I wanted to start from the beginning. Well, it, okay. it, it does connect to the question that you just stated. Yeah. Why did you start this li- line of work? Um, so my mom uh, is a longtime community worker in ah, Montreal. Okay. The influence of the mom. On the okay. Many years ago. And my stepdad, Neville Brown, big person in the community, he founded West Can and has done a lot of arts and cultural stuff in Montreal. Wait, your dad um, founded? My stepdad, Neville Brown. Okay, yeah. West Can? I yeah, worked with them. I, I did a West partnership Can. with them at one point. Oh, so that's my stepdad. Oh, wow. This is yeah. amazing. Wow. The world so, is so small. <laughs> exactly. So listen, the um, community is in my blood. Okay. Um, and so I feel like I had no choice but to end up here. Mm. I realized that while I have faced barriers, I've had a lot of privileges in my life. And when I work with the families, I come at it and say, what happened differently in my life that allowed me to maybe avoid some, some barriers? Or what can, and then how can I bring that to their lives? And so it's really to say, if I got here, I really look at people in my community and I say, but you can be here too. And so how do you, so how there. do you phrase that? Do you share like, let's say a personal story about what you want through versus, versus them or, or how do you phrase that? That's a good question. I don't, I don't know if I actually say that to them, but mm-hmm. it's what I bring to my work. A okay. lot of times I use the term. You know, it's so hard because in social services, a lot of times you're supposed to be, 
you know, distant and detached and keep them out of professionalism. And I understand why boundaries mm-hmm. are. But my personal tenet is love as practice. That's what I bring to my work. And I believe that I love each family and I see them as my own family. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing mm-hmm. um, in terms of the burden that I carry. But I see, I started working with kids in the after school program in Little Burgundy. And I'm like, but I could have been one of them mm. who are facing barriers. And how can I help help them? And I see, I love working with moms. Like that's, I love working with moms. And so I look at them and I think, what, what supports did my mom have that they didn't have? So for example, my grandmother lived with us until I was in my teens. And so I had someone to come home to every day after school. I wasn't mm. a latch kid. Yeah. My mom didn't have to worry about childcare. Mm-hmm. And then I also got the values that having a West Indian grandmother every day, that just brings something to your heart, right? She's making the West Indian food. She's using Definitely. the West Indian expressions. Uh-huh. She's loving you. She's, you know what I mean? And so I have, I think, a very strong line connection to the women in my life. Mm. And so I connect to the moms and I don't, maybe I want to bring a little bit of that. I think what I try to do is reflect to them what I see. A lot of times when you work in community in when you live in a low income community or a community where there's challenges, you don't see the possibility and the potential. Mm-hmm. And I look at my moms and I just try to hold up the mirror and say, but this is what I see. I see your potential. I see your beauty. I see your resilience. I see that you don't have to be alone. I see the burden that you carry. But why and do you think that, that though? But why me? do you think that? Why, why do you think that? Why do you think often, let's say when you're on the other side and you come to, to a certain community, you don't see the potential. You don't see, they only focus and emphasize on the struggle of that community. Right. You know, I have a wonderful educational mentor and she taught me the expression violence of low expectation. Hmm. I believe it's an academic, like a theory or a well-known academic term. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a a cycle, right? So, you know, kids, let's say kids from a low-income community, kids from a lower socioeconomic class, Black kids with challenges, Black kids from the hood or the ghetto, as people may think about, they come to the classroom And they do have a lot of challenges and Mm -hmm. the teachers, rather than saying, Hey, let's help you overcome that and strive for the best. It becomes a violence of low expectations. I don't expect you to perform. And if they don't expect you to perform, they're going to teach that way. Right. They close the schools in the low income neighborhoods and bust the kids to other neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Right. It's. And so what does that teach you? What do you see if the city is not, investing in the resources in your neighborhood, then what do you think of yourself? Hmm. Right. And so I think that's why I say sometimes that the the potential, what they see isn't theirs because people don't put the resources in the effort and the hope. And so when I, I hope that when I come to my kids, when I come to my families, I'm like, no, I, I see more of what you are and I see the potential and you're, you're no different than I am. Hmm. But I really try. I love the children like my own. I don't have children. I always say I don't have to have children because I have so many yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that are my babies that I've watched grown up. 
and that still call me and reach out for services. And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to be there for them. I still keep in touch with my moms from my last program. So that's, I don't know, this work is in my blood and I love it and I, I can't leave it, but I think I'm, I've now moved to trying to make systemic change and that also in my blood in a little bit, in a little bit of a that's, way. That's a whole new, new ball game right there. Yes. Before, and we're going to get into it. You, you, you mentioned a, a valid point of a lot of times when you're doing frontline work, it's, yes. it's hard to, to not share or, or they tell you not to share your personal traits, not personal traits, but anything that's re- relatable that you feel that you could relate, but it's on a personal level. Uh, they told you to usually hold that back because, um, you know, the fear that they might use it against you, the fear that they might bring it up in a, in a, uh, out of context. So what do you think about that? How they teach? I'm a social service worker. I just started at, at uh, the Sears. And the fr- yes. one of the first things that they told me was, was that never share anything that's personal related to you. So, so. What do you think so, about that approach? This is a tough line. I think there is a difference between working maybe at the CUS and working in community. Mm-hmm. I think there's there is a little bit of a difference there, and I don't I don't want to minimize that mm-hmm. um, because there are um, you know listen duties to report and responsibilities. Not that you don't have duty to report in community, but you do, for example, as a worker, mm-hmm. have the ability to, let's say, remove a child from the home. Yeah. That creates a different relationship. I mean, that's the extreme. extreme. The dynamic of power shifts, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas in community, it's, it, we're more equal, right? So mm-hmm. taking that into account, I would say it is, you know, maybe that's why I haven't worked at the CUs and I see in community. <laughs> <laughs> So I can get around that loophole. But for me, I say part of in community, part of the reason I think I've been effective is because I do have the luxury to say, while it may feel like there's a power dynamic because they may look up to me as a community worker or someone who seems to have achieved things or whatever, I do like to share my vulnerabilities. Because I think a lot of times people think you have to be perfect to get somewhere. You can't make a mistake. And I'm very open. I'm a late in life student. I went back to school at 29 Mm -hmm. to get my bachelor's degree. It took me a long time to finish. Um, I struggled academically. So I try to be open to let them know it's okay if you make a mistake. It's okay Mm. if something's hard. It's okay. Even my passion, passion, passion is removing barriers to higher education for black children. That is, I believe why I'm on this earth. And so I say to them, like, I'll say, did you know there's a writing center? And I I go to the writing center for help. You know, I went to the learning specialist to um, learn how to read quickly and take notes. And they look at me like, because Hmm. there's this idea that you have to be perfect and brilliant and maybe white, and maybe wealthy. And so bringing that vulnerability to the space, to me, helps the work. So if I say, sometimes they'll look at me and they'll, oh, 
if Yushana can do it and she went and accessed these services, mm-hmm. so can I. And I'm like, and that's the point. And so I don't know any other way to do it, which doesn't mean my way is the right way. But, but it's a good way. It's a great but way. It's, I, I, I literally don't. I'm telling you, love as practice. It is my mm-hmm. thing. I, I can't be any other way. I am no different from you. You are my family. You are my community. My mm-hmm. culture says that we are one, right? I meet any, as you know, I will meet any older woman in our community or older man. It is never mis- It is anti your mom. And if it's an like older gentleman, I it's love pops. it. I love it. It's pops. Like I can't. So yeah. who is? It's pops because you are my elder. We are family. I I don't know how to be any other way. So. Mm. It's, it's a little, that's again, probably why I do not work for the CUs because I, I have to be able to bring that care to my work. Hmm. It's how I'm built, how, it's how I'm built. Feeling stuck about your professional life? Not sure if this is the right job for you, looking for a job? Why don't you come by the Carrefour Jeunesse Emploi of Notre Dame de Grasse? We're part of a larger network for people between the ages of 15 and 35. However, the Carrefour in NDG is the only one on the island of Montreal that offers services for 35 and older. Or check us out at cje-ndg.com that's cje-ndg.com call us at 514-482-6665 if you press zero you'll get our front desk and our address is 6370 sherbrooke west right near benny and sherbrooke hope you are well hope we can offer you some ideas on how to get unstuck take care so let's speak let's speak about what you do now Yes. So you're fighting, you, you were, you did the groundwork. Yes. Now you're like, like I was stating before, you're in a whole new ball game right now. Yes. Do you want to elaborate a little bit? Absolutely. Systemic. I, yeah, <laughs> systemic. So, you know, I started, listen, I will say I was probably a little green eyed. I look, I think back to myself when I started <laughs> and I was like, oh, you were so naive girl. But I started little Burgundy, you know, teaching in the after school program at a center. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. I, worked with the families in a social work type role, parent support role mm-hmm. for six. And so that taught me the frontline realities. Then yeah. moving executive director, you, you see a little bit more, okay, this is how an organization runs and you make certain decisions. And why I moved to the systemic is because at my last nonprofit, when I was executive director, we offered subsidized housing. Okay. And so, you know, subsidized housing, the government pays the resident pays 25% of their income and the government pays the rest. Yeah. And one day I was sitting, you know, doing some math and I said, you know, if the government wakes up one day and decides they don't want to allocate funds for subsidized housing, we have no program. That's true. Right. And it just, that is so very was, true. Yeah. There was that one. Um, there was another program where, or not program, but I guess a policy change where the government decided, you know, understandably, perhaps to reduce costs. Mm-hmm. If the mom is on welfare and the dad is declared on the birth certificate, the government started going after the dads for child support. Mm-hmm. And then the dads thought that the moms were reporting them. 
And the moms oh. were like, we weren't reporting you. The government clearly has recent change of heart yeah. on how to do this. And I just thought to myself, you know, the government is making decisions and they don't understand the impact on the ground. Now the mom is suffering because the dad thinks that she reported yeah. him. Yeah. And I just realized the importance of the policy decisions that are happening in Quebec City or in Ottawa that are affecting my families right here in Little Burgundy. And I said, I need to move to make systemic change. And so opportunity to do director strategy at ACDPN happened. And that's exactly what we're doing. So we have the chance to work directly with Batshot Youth Protection to mm-hmm. work directly with the CUs in preventative. How can we systemically mm-hmm. increase access to health and social services? How can we culturally adapt? Right. So we've heard families, you know, black families are overrepresented in the system. Yeah. 80, I think 80%, don't quote me perfectly, but I think 80% of seniors come from the school system. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because families have difficulty accessing services in English, or there's a distrust of the system for historic and well known reasons. So now we're coming in to say, I get it, Zeus. You can't adapt your services for everybody. But what you can do is partner with community organizations that have the cultural expertise. Yeah. And so that's the work we're trying to do. And if we can sort of multiply that effect, it increases access to, to the services. And maybe what happens is families access services earlier. Mm. And then it, it avoids, listen, there's systemic bias. I don't deny that, but it can help mitigate some of the cinema or the challenges that do present in school. If children, for example, are undiagnosed. I mean, there are many ways to tackle them using one example, but my idea is to get the main system to understand the differentiated needs of the black community, not Mm. because there's something wrong with us. Not because we are defective, not because mm. we are problematic, yes, which is often yeah. narrative. That is not why. We have a different culture, we have a different history, and there has been systemic bias against us. And so please recognize that and allow us, partner with us, and allow us to serve our families and ensure that they feel safe. So that's some of the work that we're doing through our, our partnership. And ultimately, I would just love to go into public policy and say, yeah, I used to be on the ground in Little Burgundy. I used to be on the ground in NDG. And now I can go and sit at a table in Quebec City or in Ottawa and say, I understand the real experience. I understand the impact of your decisions. And you're not going to do what you want to do. You're going to take this into account as you make your policy decision. So in COVID, for example, when you would see videos on TV of teachers driving school through the neighborhood to wave at their students, to say, I know I can't see you, I know you can't be in the classroom, but I'm still here, that doesn't happen when a child lives in Little Burgundy and is bused to Westmount. That doesn't happen. So when you make the decision to close the community school, that link is broken. When you complain that Black parents don't come to parent-teacher interviews, 
the school is not in my neighborhood. I can't walk to the school. So I have to take public transportation to the school. I may have other children. I may not have childcare. It's at dinner time. That those are too many barriers that I can't overcome. So I have to miss my child's parent teacher interview. I want to look at the system and the barrier and not blame the family. I bet you if the school was in the neighborhood and they could walk to the school. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they could maybe offer child care on site mm-hmm. and maybe there would be increased participation. So I want to look at the system when often we look at the family, not we, the system looks at the family wow. and says there's something wrong with the family. I'm like, let's say there's maybe something wrong with the system. So what are the steps that your organization is taking to be able, well, that you're taking to yes. be able to, to be able to make a change in your community or in the community as a collective? Right. So um, really what we do is we work hard on community institutional partnerships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, can we have a partnership or an entente, an agreement with the CUs mm-hmm. to do the work? And so that allows us a certain amount of access. So, for example, we have an entente with Batshaw that says they are to refer Black families to us so that we can accompany the families and ensure and help support them in, in, in closing their file. But you, right? Shana, I'm, yes. I'm, 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 I'm going to play because I understand what you bring, but I'm going to play uh, the role of the outsider that hears yeah. this. Do As it. an outsider, I could say, well, don't they have black youth workers? Like, don't, can't, why do we need that type of service? Don't they have black youth workers? Like as employees of this. Yeah, as, as employees yeah. of Batshaw or Sears, why don't they get the black families? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> you're trying to get me in trouble. You see? No, no. Like I said, <laughs> it, it's the outsider that's thinking. That's not me. It's yeah, not no. Thomas. So listen, yeah. they do have black workers, but one black worker cannot change an entire system. Mm. And a and black workers may have their hands tied because mm. there is a youth protection act exactly right? okay and so and and the reason that i say systemic is important is because even if that one black worker is trying to make a change they don't get every black file that's what i'm saying mm. so for one black worker there might be 10 non-black who yeah. don't understand the cultural differences or barriers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are fake, right? And so, and even if they have, you know, we always say it's not, listen, there is systemic bias, there is systemic racism, but even if you have the best of intentions, it doesn't mean that there isn't harm because you just don't have our lived experience, right? So if you come and you say, you know, this parent is resistant to assessment, Because they may know that when they were growing up, there weren't as many services and they don't know what's available now. Mm -hmm. So they're resistant because they're like, well, if you don't label my child, it's like, I don't have to worry that I can't fix it. Mm -hmm. And I, as someone walking in this skin can understand that parent's fear. Yeah. A non-Black worker may not understand that and only see it as resistant and not see what's behind it. 
And so if we can put in a systemic route that says, you know what, if there's a black family, you have to consult with this organization, then each family doesn't have to fight. Mm-hmm. Then the system, and then that poor black worker doesn't have to fight, right? Mm-hmm. Got a job at C's. You don't want to have to go into your boss every time and fight for this black family and fight yeah. for the right. But if you can say, "Hey, Mr. Boss, there's a policy that says I have to refer this family to our community partner." I love it. I love it. Then they 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 got to listen to you and they got to follow the protocol, right? Yeah. So that's why systemic change is so important. It takes the burden off of you, but it guarantees the service for the family. Mm-hmm. And the understanding and the communication and the, yeah. Okay. All of it, the accompaniment. I walk into a room already, a family is going to exhale. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> like already, already, they're like, oh, uh, she looks like, right? Then I can make a reference to mm-hmm. music, to food, to upbringing. I can use the accent. I can... Mm-hmm. build that community and they're like okay you understand me mm-hmm. i can't say that i understand every single black person no but there is a commonality there's a community between us. Sure. there's a common culture for sure and so that's just the, in the same way that i can say i am not of the lgbtq plus community mm-hmm. i mean want to advocate for a child, I may advocate for a child, but I don't know the full understanding of what it is to be LGBTQ plus. And so I would absolutely reach out to a coworker or a partner organization to say, what might be something that I miss that this kid might be going through? Can you advise me? Because I don't know. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hmm. So why can't we just put things in place to best serve service users. Is that radical? I don't think. Hmm. But it is for some. What have, what have, uh, what improvements have you seen since, uh, since being, being in your position? Like what kind do, do families come back? Uh, you know, what, what are the, yeah, the improvements that yeah. you've seen throughout throughout uh, your career so far. So I've only been in this role for six months. Okay. But what I will say is, um, my my our org has put in a lot of work mm-hmm. over the last several years, and it seems to be coming to fruition. So one of the things that I like is because we've recognized that so many of the senior mom come from the schools. We are now pivoting to try to do some prevention work. We're piloting a prevention project where we go into the schools before the family gets the bee signal so that we can hopefully avoid them going into the DYP altogether. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. change that I've seen. And I don't know that that would have happened if we hadn't embarked on this systemic change in the first place Yeah, to allow us to see, well, if, if we're constantly in the schools, because that's where it's coming from, then let's, let's go here. So that's definitely a change that I've seen. Um, and I think, you know, in my personal work, I think I've made lasting impact in terms of helping parents with helping their kids trans- transition to high school. Mm-hmm. I think 
some of my former teens, they know, they know Yushan is all about education. Like I had a teen reach out. To me. I haven't like, he haven't, I, you know, he hasn't been in my program. I haven't been there for gosh, like five years now. And he wrote me and he's like, I just graduated high school and I want to be a physiotherapist. Can Amazing. you Amazing. So we're going to meet up so I can just help walk him through. I don't know how to become a physiotherapist, but I said, we can learn together. Um, you know, he's like, I need to do my math and science or whatever. So I love, I think the kids know that I believe in them and they'll still reach out and they'll still try. And so those are the things that keep me going. Wow. Someone in power that believes in them. That's, oh and that looks like them. <laughs> it looks like them. I look like you. And I remember when I started in community, I was like, oh my God, the kids, I'm not cool. You know what I mean? I'm very boring. I think, I think you're cool. <laughs> you're I, definitely I was like, cool. these teenagers, like, I don't know the latest song. I don't know. I'm a oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. But yeah. listen, when you come authentically and mm-hmm. you're yourself, yeah. then they, you know that. they knew that I was batting for them. Mm-hmm. My kids knew, my moms knew, and I could see it. And so that just, makes me happy you know i i I, what are the challenges we're running out of time we only got about like five minutes so quickly quickly what are the challenges have you seen since being in your position um you know funding is always a challenge for sure um obviously we are a well-funded org but funding funding is always a challenge and post-covid human resources is a challenge so right wow finding good health and social service workers is, mm-hmm. is hard and being able to afford them. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're competing with the CUs where, you know, I would love to hire you. Can we afford you? I'm not so sure, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's, but so I would say human resources, finding good workers um, is a challenge. And I think another ongoing forever challenge, it's definitely been better now that people realize black lives matter which is a recent thing since George Floyd. Um, but it's always, well, why do you need, why do black people need different services? That's always, why do black people having to answer that question? Oh. And it, you know, it's a burden because then you, you know, as a worker, I have to then like, what do I have to sit down and school you about, I don't know, systemic racism and yeah. history? and right and then it becomes like an uncomfortable conversation and sometimes you have to dance that fine line depending on what room you're in mm-hmm. right and i'm like but no one like we know for a fact black student black kids are overrepresented in youth protection yeah we know for there's so many programs out there for black children because we understand the barriers that they face so, but it seems like when you, you come, it's like, you know, oh, we'll have a food program and for low-income families. So everyone acknowledges that there are barriers, but then when you come and say, we need differentiated services, I don't know, somehow people start to get uncomfortable yeah. because I think they prefer the narrative of there's something wrong with the families rather than saying the families are fine and they face barriers. Wow. That is amazing. That that's the hard work is to say the families are fine. They face barriers. If you didn't have enough money every month, you would struggle to feed your definitely, children. Definitely. Definitely. That's just the yeah. fact of the matter. There's nothing yeah. wrong with them. They can't 
Maybe they can't access employment, they're underemployed, whatever it is, there's nothing wrong with the family. Let us help them and accept that they face barriers and getting that point across can be difficult because to accept that they face barriers upends the system. The system rides on there's something wrong with the family. That's That's what the system is founded on. Yeah. So that's that's hard. Damn. (laughs) <laughs> you got me thinking. You, <laughs> Sorry, my mind is rolling right now. This yeah, is I mean, listen, right? It's, I mean, it's the same thing with our indigenous brothers and sisters, yeah. right? Where this is the conversation these days, and it's like it's easy to say there's something wrong with indigenous people, mm-hmm. or do you say they have faced immeasurable harm and so, barriers that yeah. they continue to face, and that's why their community struggles. If I woke up every day and I did not have clean water that came out of my tap, that would be a problem. Definitely. It does not mean there's anything wrong with me. It means I don't have water coming out of my tap. But that's another conversation for another day. Oh, I would love to bring you back on the (laughs) phone to discuss this. Even Barriers, barriers, barriers. That's For sure. The multiple barriers and obstacles. Um, Listen, we're going to end up on a positive note. Yes. So is there is there a message that you want to give to the listeners before uh, we call it a day? Please go into health and social services. (laughs) Um, You know, families need you. If for any families who may be in youth protection or who may be vulnerable, there is nothing wrong with you. And it's okay to ask for help. There is nothing wrong with you. You love your children. You are trying your best and reach out for services people are there to help you and it's okay that's that's the message that i believe wow thank you yeah that's that's a beautiful message i don't want to speak too much on it (laughs) that's fine that's fine that's my message listen thank you so much again for coming on the pod i can't wait for your episode to come out i think i think this has been delightful it has been delightful and uh, your energy, like like you said, like when you walk into a room, you feel your energy, your Thank presence. You. Um, so thanks again. And uh, yeah, have a great, great evening. This was a wonderful experience and I'm happy to come back anytime. Perfect. So we'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll keep, keep you to that. Right? Hey, I'm, I'm here. I All love right. this podcast. I love this idea. So I'm very happy to support and be a part of your project. Nice, beautiful. So talk soon then. Talk soon. Bye.